Well, thanks, Chinji. Such a wonderful welcome. Awesome. So, it's great to be with you guys. The last time I was here in Swinton with you in the park, over there, it was so much fun. It was a good day, wasn't it? It was like really relaxed and just like, yeah, food, people getting saved. What more do you want? It was awesome. It was really, really great. But yeah, so it's September and then we're excited because it's September. And, and we're starting a new preaching series this term. And usually when you hit September, it kind of gets busy, busy, busy again, doesn't it? Because you've had this kind of lull over August and then it's busy, busy, busy. But one of the words that God really spoke to us over the summer as a church was to slow down. And just, I know you've just uh, finished a while ago your emotionally, spiritually healthy course, just learning about, you know, the rhythms of grace and living from a place of God's presence, human beings, not human doings and all that kind of stuff. And so God really wanted, is speaking to us about slowing down, but not just for the sake of it, for deeper relationship with him, for long lasting things. You know, if something's going to grow, actually, um, the roots need to go really deep and it takes a long time and it doesn't look like anything's happening really, but the deeper it goes, the, the longer it will be sustained, the more fruitful it is. So we have an, an intro video by Richard and Judith, which we're going to play in a minute, just sharing a bit about that and, and what we'll be um, looking to hear over the next 11 weeks. So before I start preaching, if we're, if we're good to go and with that video, we will watch that first. Yeah, no pubs. Ooh, there it is. Okay. Watch it next week because it is a really good video. It should like makes a lot of sense. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a summary because I can I can kind of remember what was said in the video. Um, Manchester was at the heart of the Industrial Revolution, and when we sort of began to switch from humans making stuff to machines making everything, it was I guess to make our life easier, but it didn't make our lives any less busy. 
So machines are great, technology is great, but it hasn't quite seemed to make anything slower paced. It's quick, quick, quick. Um, and so, you know, as, as wonderful as it is, as, as amazing as all those things, we still have a responsibility to how can we move at a pace that's healthy, that's sustainable, that we're actually fulfilling the call of God on our lives and we're not constantly feeling like, you know, we're like running on our last energy and, and out of breath and going from one thing to another. And so I'm really glad that we're doing this series because I personally have something called hurried sickness. Yes, pray for me. I suffer from hurried sickness. I'm constantly in a hurry. I know. Um, it's a real thing. Um, but um, so, um, honestly, something God's really been speaking to me about. And um, when I was a kid, and I still do it now, my dad is like the most paced person I know. Like as kids, people would always say to me, oh, your dad talks really slowly. I never really got it. Now I'm like, oh yeah, he does actually, but he's very paced. He won't rush, but I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. But I'm really rushed. So I guess I'm quick generally. And I have to tell myself to slow down when I'm speaking just to make sure you pronounce your words. Lagundo. And so when I'm doing stuff around the house, I tend to injure myself a lot because I'm, try- I'm like, I'm making a cup of tea, so I'll like grab the cup whilst grabbing the milk at the same time because I'm like, yeah, I don't know, I can do this quickly. And honestly, I have so many bruises because I'm always rushing. And Dami, every time, like Dami will be downstairs and I'll, he'll just hear, ow! And he's like, oh, look, dog, slow down because honestly. And then when I slow down, to be honest, it doesn't really make a difference. I think I'm just clumsy. I don't know. Pray for me anyway that I should, I should slow down because it's not, it's not safe to move fast. Um... <laughs> And then generally in life, I guess, usually we're wanting to get from A to B. So this is where I am. This is where I need to go. I need to get something done. And I don't always care so much about what goes on along the journey or the in-between. I'll find myself going to the supermarket to get my groceries and all I'm focused on is the task at hand. It's like, right, pick it up, you know, get it into the basket, get through the checkout as quickly as possible, you know, skip the the actual cashier and go to a self-serve so I don't get in conversation with someone because I'm on a mission and I've got to do what I've got to get from A to B and just get what I need to, to get done. But then after I get to B, that, like, then what? Like sometimes I'm, well, we've rushed around to finish everything and then what? Why was I rushing in the first place? Sometimes I'll be reading through a book and rather than, you know, really taking it in, I want to get through it so I can say I finished reading that book. And then it's like, what, what did I actually get out of the book? I was so quick to, to want to finish it. It happens when I read my Bible. I want to get to the end of this chapter. But then, then, then what? So this whole getting from A to B and, and rush, rush, rush and hurriedness. And there's something about allowing ourselves to slow down enough for beautiful interruptions. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. To have a pace of life that is slow down enough that interruptions the right interruptions can actually add beauty to our life rather than taking away from them. And so let's look a bit at Jesus um, because he is the perfect model, the perfect example of someone who did more than we ever could achieve, but he knew how to be beautifully interrupted by his father. So let's go to Mark. We're going to read um, three passages of scripture and then, oh, thanks, and then just pull on some points and things that, honestly, God's really been highlighting to me. Because like I say, I really have not mastered this, but really just feel like God's taking me on a journey and challenging me. 
in just how I do life and how I see things in a very busy world. So, if you mark chapter 10. Okay. So, I guess just for a bit of um, context, Jesus in this passage of scripture is on his way to die. So he's on his way to Jerusalem because he's going to be crucified for the sins of all the world and he's going to rise again. And so he's got a lot on his mind. It's not like he was just dilly-dallying. He's thinking to himself, this is where I'm going. And and the closer he gets, it's like, take this cup away from me if you can, Lord. And so there's a lot going on in his mind. And he could have just said, I'm too busy. Nobody talked to me. This is where I'm going. I need to get to the cross. All of you just, I don't care. But this is what happens with Jesus. So it says from verse 46, and they came to Jericho and he was leaving Jericho. So he's clearly on his way out. He's got a purpose, a mission. He's leaving with his disciples and a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Jesus is on his way to be crucified, but Jesus stopped. And said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let's go to Luke chapter 8. And from verse 40, and here's a story where Jesus again is going along his way and um, a man named Jarius comes to him urgently and says, my daughter's dying, quick, you need to come now, you need to come now. And this is like, it's not like she has weeks to live, it's like she has moments, she's got breath, she's literally on the verge of going. So, verse 14, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And Jesus went, and the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing him, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And Jesus went on to the house and raised the man's daughter.
Jesus is on his way. Can you imagine him rushing to the ER room because someone's just been rushed in and they're like, come on, we need to resurrect this person. Now we need to save them. And he's on his way. And this woman touches him. And Jesus could have in that moment just, something's happened, that's cool, but I've got somewhere to go because someone's about to die. But he chose in that moment to turn around, to affirm, to call out in her, well done, your faith has made you whole, and to celebrate that moment. And he kind of technically let the girl die, if you think about it. But then he went on to bring her back to life again. He allowed himself to be beautifully interrupted. And let's go to Luke chapter 7. This little story that can sometimes get easily missed in the scriptures, but... Luke 7 and from verse 11. Soon afterwards, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town... Behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the buyer, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all of the surrounding country. Jesus happened to come into a town just in time for this funeral happening. Now, the town of Nain was... It's kind of a bit obscure, it's tucked away, so we don't know if Jesus was on his way to somewhere else, or he particularly went there, but... There wasn't anything particular that he would go there for. But as Jesus is going along, he has compassion and he stops and he raises this widow. And, and, you know, in those days, for an only son to go, her husband would have already died. He would have been the breadwinner. So husband is gone and the son would have helped her through a mourn. But now the son is gone and she has no one to provide for. And Jesus stops out of what he's doing with compassion and raises up her son from the dead. Jesus knew how to be beautifully interrupted. I don't think I could ever be as busy as Jesus. Um, And he did so much. And so I just find it so amazing and incredible. And as you look throughout all of scripture, we'll see time and time again in Jesus' walk, how he did life, how he did rhythms. And and, and there's some things that we can, um, I guess, pick out from his lifestyle and what he did and how he did it. And the first thing I wanted um, to talk about was that Jesus had compassion. Now, in these examples, we have Jesus stopped in another passage of scripture that the man with the the blind man, he said he felt pity for him. He had compassion for him, so he healed him. You know, to have compassion, you have to allow yourself to have compassion. How many times have we watched television and this advert after advert and, and you can kind of flick away from it. And, and it's okay, there's a lot of adverts and we have to know what to give to and what not to give to. It can, it can be overwhelming. But as we walk through the streets and we're headed somewhere, it's so easy to turn a blind eye to what's going on in front of you unless you stop and you allow yourself to feel the compassion in the moment. So I can easily ignore an emotion because, and sometimes because I feel like I can't do anything about it. So I can't do anything about this homeless man. So I'm just going to ignore the fact that I saw him and keep going because I've got somewhere to go. When actually, if I slow down, I could feel compassion for him. And if I have nothing, I could pray. 
I could say a quick prayer and ask God to step into our world and to make all things right. And the thing is, the, the more we, we, we stop allowing ourselves from feeling, feeling compassion, the harder our hearts can become. So it's not just about one moment of I couldn't do anything, but if I keep blocking things out, before I know it, I'm not thinking about my neighbor because I haven't slowed down enough to think about anyone else other than myself. I haven't allowed myself to sit in that moment, even if it's just for two minutes, to think about someone else's situation rather than me getting from A to B. But Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus allowed himself to be moved by compassion because he moved at a pace where he could stop and he could see it and he could experience it. And Jesus didn't heal everyone every time. There was sometimes he had, he had to keep going to places. He had to keep going. But we know that he, he had compassion. And where his father said to do something, he did something about it. And so let's slow down for beautiful interruptions so we can be those who feel compassion. Another thing about Jesus that's really interesting was... I think success for Jesus looked different to what success looks like for us. So for me, I'll wake up in the morning and I have my to-do list. And if I can get through my to-do list, I'm like, yup, I've done it. I'm successful. I got through my day. If I can get from A to B, I'm like, I've done it. But do I want to get to the end of the day thinking success in my life looks like accomplishing exactly what I want to accomplish Or does it look like actually today I was sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and I did what he wanted me to do? So if I'm, I guess, if if I'm I'm trying to get through something and as I do (laughs) in the house and, and then someone phones me, and I'm like, oh, I know this person can usually talk for half an hour, um, <laughs> but I really need to get this done. So I'm not sure if I can pick up the phone because, but if I get to the end of the day and that person really needed me to speak to them and pray for them, am I successful because I cleaned the whole house? Or would it be more successful if I didn't clean the house, but someone was blessed? So our, our, our understanding of success stops us from slowing down and being beautifully interrupted because we have this, and this is, the, there's nothing wrong with cleaning your house. Please, please clean the house. Please go to work, do all those things. And this is the thing, Jesus, the girl died. He allowed himself to be interrupted. The girl died, but he raised up. It was okay. When we seek first God's kingdom, all these things will be added unto us. When we make room and space in our lives to be responsive to him, we'll find that we actually achieve a lot more than we set out to achieve in the first place. I would much rather go to bed happy thinking, I didn't take the rubbish out, I didn't do this, but actually I spent time with you. I heard your voice. I heard you tell me to do something and my relationship with you is growing. That's what I want to experience and that's what I think success looks like. Not just achieving things, ticking them off on the list. There's a poem by a, 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 it was an English missionary to to China, I think it was. His name was C.T. Studd. And one of the verses of his poem goes like this. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. We are so busy doing so many things, so many important things 
But it's only what we do for Christ and in Christ that will last. And we want to live our entire lives that way. We want to do our jobs that way. We want to raise our kids that way. We want to study that way. But we want to live doing all of that sensitive to his spirit so that we really know that actually we're responding to him every moment of the day. And sometimes what we think are distractions are actually beautiful um, interruptions and invitations from God to say, actually, there's something I want to show you. There's something I want to draw you into. There's a way of life that I have for you that you will only walk into if you slow down and listen to me. And so interruptions are different from distractions. There's a big difference. Um, This is just my definition. It might not be what's in the dictionary, but anyway, it's okay. So when I... I'm very good at this. I'm very good at justifying myself, whether I'm doing the right thing or wrong thing. But when I find myself being distracted, I know it's a distraction because I have to just, I can justify why I'm doing it. And, and I easily move towards a distraction. So let's say, for example, I, um, I need to study my Bible. I need to go upstairs and study my Bible. And this is a distraction. Oh, actually, I've been meaning to, um, I don't know, mow the lawn for like a week so I think actually but God you want me to mow my lawn because you know I need to look after my house so I can be hospitable and people can come around and we can have a barbecue so so you know and reading my bible is as important as you know the rest of my life and it's holistic to say I'm justifying why I need to do that thing so and I move I'm easily moved towards that rather than what I'm supposed to be doing that's a distraction so I if if I have to justify it it's a distraction oh, you know, I have really been meaning to, to hoover the floor and I'll, I'll be more relaxed once I hoover the floor. So, and it becomes procrastination. But I easily move towards distraction. I justify that. However, when an interruption comes, so a beautiful interruption, as in when I say interruption, I mean Holy Spirit nudging me to do something. I tend to justify not doing that. So, and I move easily move away from it. So, if I am... Say, for example, um, what, what can I say? If I am reading my Bible and <laughs> I come across a verse, oh yeah, this is it. So I like to highlight my Bible a lot with, with my pens. Um, so I know that every time I read my Bible, I should have my pencil case with me. It's, I, should, I, should, I should just do it. But sometimes I'll leave it downstairs. So I'll pick up my Bible and I'm reading it and something will jump out at the page and I'm like, oh. I should really underline that because I think God's trying to speak to me. And then I'm like, but you know, I'm trying to get through my Bible in a year. So if I stop and highlight that, then I have to go all the way downstairs and pick up my pen and come back up. And really God, I mean, you don't want me to get distracted. So I'm just going to keep reading. And so it's a beautiful interruption, but I'm mowing away from it. When it's a distraction, I go towards it because I want to be distracted. I don't want to do what I'm supposed to be doing. But when something comes along that I should be responding to, I'm like, oh, no, but actually, no, I think that's, no, no, you know, and I'll just do this, and I don't want to do it. And that's just, for me, how I discern between when God's trying to interrupt my schedule with something good, or actually when something is generally a distraction. And Jesus knew how to do this, too. So Jesus is walking along the road, woman, um, you know, she touches his cloak, and he's like, stop, something's happened. And, and all his journey, you know, all the way along to the cross. But then, 
And Peter says something amazing to him. You are the son of God. And he's like, yeah, on this rock, we're going to build my church. And then Peter says, oh, no, you know, don't do it. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus knew that was a distraction. So he, Jesus could tell the difference between, no, no, this is, this is not of God. And he knew when to stop because this was of God. And so that happens to us in life. And we must be able to grow and discern because it will feel different for all of us. But at what points in our life is this a beautiful interruption from God or is this just a distraction? And in order to do all of this, in order to slow down, it actually takes discipline. So slowing down is not slowing down so that we could be lazy. It's not like, oh, I'm just slowing down, so... (laughs) You know, like a Californian surfer or whatever. It's like, yeah, totally. Um, Just doing nothing. Slowing down. Jesus was not lazy. If we're looking at Jesus for our primary example of how to pace our lives, he was not lazy. So saying before that my dad is like the most paced person I have ever met in my life. I remember once him telling me when I was a teenager, Lukundo, if you're still in bed by 10 o'clock, you will not be successful in life. He had a point. <laughs> he really did. I, I really can't sleep in. Anyway, but like, but because my dad doesn't rush, he gets so much done. So like, I'd be going to work at midday. Say I have a shift that starts at 12. So I work as a pharmacist. So I have a shift that works from 12 to like 7. I will wake up at like 11 and then have a quick shower and then like quickly put some food down me and then rush to work. And then I'm like, oh, God, I don't have time to read my Bible. And, you know, and I'm now making excuses because I wasn't disciplined enough to wake up in time. If my dad starts work at 12, he will wake up at 6. He will do his stretches. Then he will have some breakfast. Then he watches the news. And then he prays and reads his Bible. Then has a shower. And he's still got two hours to spare before. And so it's like, I mean... Yeah, anyway, so in order to have his pace of life, he had to be disciplined about it. He had to cultivate a culture that gave him enough time in the day in order to slow down. And we all have 24 hours, clearly. I was like a mad panic, and he was just there chilling. And then he would drop me off at work, anyway, <laughs> and then come back and then go to work. It's just crazy, honestly. But yes, it's like when you're driving to work and you're in a hurry. If you haven't left work on time, there is no way you're going to give a car away because you're like, no, I need to get somewhere. But actually, if you left 10 minutes earlier, I bet you you could give at least five people away on the road and be graceful and merciful to them because actually I gave myself a bit more time so that when I give myself more time, I can slow down. I can be more generous. I can think about people other than myself. Becoming disciplined not just becoming lazy. And Jesus had this rhythm down. And I believe Jesus' secret was because, you know, he regularly drew away to be with his father. He regularly drew away just to be in God's presence. So he knew so much what the nudge of the Holy Spirit felt like, what his father's heart was, that when he was out in the hustle and bustle, he knew that, okay, in this moment, success doesn't look like going to the next biggest town and having a crusade. It looks like going to that tiny village that nobody knows called Nain so that I can crash a funeral. And I'm sure the people around him were thinking, why are we going in this direction? Like, there's nothing really happening here. But he knew, actually, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And so he didn't allow success 
in other people's eyes to deter him from what his father was calling him to do. He knew that I'm never so much in a hurry that I can't stop and respond where somebody needs healing or grace and my father says to do something. And so because he drew away, he was able to to work that out normally. If we don't spend time cultivating hearing his voice when it's quiet, how will we hear him when it's loud? And day to day is loud. Day to day is life only gets busier. Someone once told me when I thought I was busy as a student and they were like, you realize your life will only ever get busier. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's true. Life is very, very loud. But the more time we cultivate learning how to hear him, learning how to sense his presence, we'll find that we live richer, fuller lives, that we will no longer be saying, I don't have time to do what you've called me to do because we're doing it in the midst of doing life. Because life doesn't stop so we can serve the purposes of God. It's not, I need to stop. You know, gap years are great or go on a mission trip somewhere. But the mission of our lives happen while we're doing our lives. You know, so cultivating this pace to, to sustainably stop. And the most beautiful moments do tend to happen when, when we least expect them, don't they? The opportunity, you bump into someone and something amazing happens and you think to yourself, oh wow, if I hadn't have walked this way or I hadn't have come this way, I hadn't have stopped, this never may, would have happened. And we can't plan it all. And so developing a discipline, I mean, one thing I, I try to do is if I find myself rushing, I'll just stop. I'll like pretend I'm stuck in the mud, you know, that game you used to play when you were kids. I'll pretend I'm glued to the floor. And then in that moment, everything within me wants to, you know, because I'm like, I need to do, do, do. I need to go, go, go. I need to be productive. I need to be successful. And I'll stop myself and I'll tell myself, Lukundo, just wait, because 60 seconds is not going to kill you. And in that 60 seconds, there's a refocus. Why am I rushing to do what I'm doing? Is it really important? Have I stopped to hear the Holy Spirit? Ah, okay. And then I slow down again. And I have to do that a lot. In sometimes every five minutes. It's it's every minute, in fact, to stop myself and say, actually, Lukundo, just just, just hold it. Just discipline yourself. Just hear his voice. And sure enough, he will come. And just reassure me and say, Lukundo, sometimes a lot of the things you're rushing about to do really don't matter that much. You're usually either trying to like impress somebody or, I don't know, come across like I've got it all together. I really don't. Like, I really don't. And actually, my focus should be on him. He wants my focus to be on him because in him is life. That's where I'm going to live my life to the full. That's where I'm going to know what it is to, to walk in the unforced rhythms of grace with Jesus and besides him like he did so shall we just close our eyes together and just um, just think to yourself a minute just that whole idea of what would you call a successful day right now if you're, if you're really honest with yourself like if you're super duper honest with yourself just be like Lord what, what do I in a day is like This is what I'm going for. This is what it is. And what needs to change? How can I see that differently so I can slow down enough to be beautifully interrupted by you?
Jesus, we thank you so much that you know the end from the beginning, that you wrote it before the beginning ever came into existence. And because our lives are in your hands, our lives are secure and our steps are ordered by you. So Jesus, we just ask that your spirit would come and still us, would remove the the burdens and the excessive things that we put on ourselves that we think we need to do or accomplish in order to be successful, in order to to, to, to be the, the fullest version of ourselves? Would you help rewire our thinking so that we can just focus on you? So that we can, in everything that we do, we're, we're thinking towards that day where we stand not before other people, but just before you. And you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. When you visited the poor, you visited me. When you clothed the the naked, you clothed me. When you fed the hungry, you fed me. Help us to have hearts of compassion. Help us to stop. Help us just to slow down. Help us in our hearts of hearts and our minds of minds to just be sensitive to what you're saying. Help us to get better at saying no when we need to say no and help us to get better at saying yes when we need to say yes but in all these things lord jesus we just want to live for you and so we pray that you would help us to be as countercultural as this sounds but to walk in your unforced rhythms of grace responding to you at every moment lord jesus we thank you that your spirit is with us that you love us so much and that you want us to live in your fullness but we know we cannot do it in our own strength. So Holy Spirit, this week, would you help us? Would you come upon us afresh? Would you speak to our hearts and guide our minds? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.